0: everyone, and welcome to Minute 57 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action movie Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and once again, we're coming to you from Baltimore, and I'm being hosted by my guest, Nick Rehack. So thank you very much again, Nick. Uh, the accommodations were great last night, so that. thanks a lot. How was the mint on the pillow? Um, it's a little chocolatey for me, but you know, but I appreciate the effort. There you go. That that works. That works. Thank you. (laughs) So, minute 57 begins with uh, Marco continuing his teasing and ends with Al sitting down calmly in his squad car. So, yesterday we ended the minute with Marco doing an acrobatic flip onto the table and start shooting at the sides of the table for some strange reason. So, you know, I I think that partially what he's doing there is just trying to tease John. He also wants to keep him in place, but he's, he's, you know, he's still teasing him. Mm -hmm. You know, don't go this way, don't go that way, you never know where I'm going to shoot and stuff like that. And then reach the end of the table. Which uh, yesterday we started talking a little bit about the, the shape of the table. Mm-hmm. Is there mm-hmm. anything else you wanted to say about it besides
1: what we said yesterday? Just to that, reiterate that it's impractical. Yes. <laughs> it's,
0: it's a zigzag table. Yeah. It just does not work. <laughs> not at all. And so the, John gets to the end of that table, and then Marco screams out, You are done. No more table. Where are you going, pal? Next time you have a chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. And as he's doing this, uh, you know, surprisingly, he ran out of bullets. So therefore, mm-hmm. he's you know getting ready to, to to change the the clip right at that point. You know, it's it's. I've always loved how you know in movies everyone has you know magic machine guns and magic uh, bullets that know, just which, continue to last. Know, they continue, and and you only need to change your clip when the script needs you to,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not because not because you really need to.
0: I mean, I don't know. Have you have you ever like fired uh, an automatic rifle? No, no,
1: no. I've always been uh, like shotguns has always been pump, so I know how many I got, and then when I'm out, I'm out. That's right. Okay. Well, in movies, shotguns also go as many. Yeah, isn't you that need. nice? Yeah, you know, it's, like, it's it's like when
0: you're playing. We, we were discussing uh, earlier, uh, you know, before we were recording about the, the fact that you know they had the old the game, you know, the arcade games. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where all you have to do is just shoot at a certain spot and it reloads for you. Yeah. You know, and you just can if you if you do that properly, you're just gonna get more and more, you know, bullets each time. And you don't
1: even have to let go of the trigger. You can just go back and forth and back right. and forth on that's it. That's right.
0: You shoot down to the to the left hand side <laughs> of the bottom and you get you get more ammo and, and you know and it works. Yeah. And that's more or less what they do in movies, except they don't have to aim anywhere. They just automatically have as many bullets as as they need and as they want. Just pulling it out of thin air. Yeah. Completely. And, and I mean, it's fun watching that. I mean, I, I, I was in the Army 30 years ago, in the Israeli Army, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work that way in real life. <laughs> I would imagine that. You know, <laughs> you know you have 29 bullets or 30 bullets, and mm-hmm. that's it. You yeah. Know, and that's the, that's the whole idea of having something that's, you know, semi-automatic that you can choose whether you're shooting one bullet or if you're shooting three bullets or if you're just spraying everything at once. Most of the time, you're not going to spray everything at once because that's just a waste of your bullets. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to actually try and hit something.
1: Yeah, at least time. once. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it depends on how many people you're against. If you're just against That's John McClane under the table, you only want to hit him once. You know, but but he, I guess, silly or stupidly, you know, uh, wasted his bullets teasing John. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And then happened to
1: run out. It's a good thing he had a, another clip, though. Yeah. You know, and... Where does point- he even pull that clip out of? Is it out of a jacket pocket or something? It's got to be out of a jacket pocket, right? He's not wearing any jacket. He's just got a shirt on. So maybe...
0: A, a lot of times in movies they have... You no, know, he pulls it out of his... He just pulled it out of his pocket. Okay. All right. It's, all right. Oh, I can believe he it. He pulls it out of his pocket, but we don't see him put the other clip anywhere. No, he
1: just lets it go. Yeah, well, but we don't see it on the ground. Or on the table. Or on the table. That's it's weird. Just, it disappears. Again, it's magic. It's magic. It floated back to his pocket to reload. <laughs> <laughs> By dropping it on the left side, it'll, it'll get there pulled There you go. Again.
0: That's right. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, the... the he, you know, he realizes he's out, he pulls he it just it just disappears. Mm-hmm. Completely. Oh wow. Okay. And so first of all, I was thinking about the fact that uh, you know, he mentions the term pal. Right? Mhm. It doesn't sound as if that's something that Marco would say. You know, he he's He's saying it in a teasing manner. Yeah, for sure. He's like, "Where are you going, pal?" Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe, and, but he doesn't say it like in a a fake American accent or something like that. Where he, the way that he's saying it, you know. So, wh- where do you think the term "pal" comes from?
1: For him, I'm sure it's got to be where he saw like. Some no, not of, from him. Oh, in general. In, in general. Oh, oh, okay. Well,
0: actually, you could say what
1: he thinks about. The, First of all, okay. Where, where do you think Marco gets it from? I think Marco's getting it from just like some random movie or show that he's right. seen, where someone's calling somebody "diehard," and then <laughs> he's seen he's seen these episodes of Die Hard. If I had to guess, "pal" has to be some form or like slang term at some point of like compatriot. I think. Okay, or maybe so, I'm wrong. So,
0: according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the term "pal." Uh, was first used in 1770, hmm. which I would never have thought it was Mm-mm. that. Uh, and usually, what it means is it at the time it meant that it's someone who's a partner in crime. Okay, okay. It's and then uh, another definition of it is a, a comrade. When highwaymen would rob in pairs, they'd say such a one was his or my pal. Hmm. You know, the the two of them were pals, hmm. and they were you know uh, highwaymen, okay, and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. No, I, I found that interesting also. But the thing, so 1770. Yeah,
1: that's what's blowing my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see past that. I can see like late 1800s cowboys. Okay, and so the late like 1800s, okay. they
0: changed the, the definition uh-huh. to mean
1: friend. Okay, as opposed to
0: just partner in crime. Yeah. So in the 1880s. Uh, it it meant like people just were palling around Mm -hmm. you know uh, and then after that you had pen pals okay which uh, was referring to was in the the, like 1920s they Mm -hmm. started the the idea of that and then gal pal in the 1930s I think people just like rhymes and alliteration apparently I think it's what it comes down to yeah sounds like it and then uh, we we get into uh, palimony (laughs) (laughs) that I haven't heard (laughs) Which uh, which uh,
1: is that? Just a buddy that owes you money? No,
0: palimony is what you pay to to, to your ex wife. I thought it was just alimony. No, alimony. Palimony is what you, will you pay to an unmarried partner? It says since the seventies. Huh. Hmm. Ah, it's okay. a humorous blend of pal and alimony for divorced couples still on good terms. There you go. Okay, okay. that's I'll buy that. There you go. Yeah, okay. I'll buy that pal for sure. Is okay. That 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 makes a little more sense. Okay. Um <laughs> so pal once again it's it's changed uh nowadays and it's uh it des- it's used to describe aggression or sarcasm through a polite, mild and neutral word. What's next
1: for pal?
0: Well it probably doesn't care w- where it's going just as long
1: as it's with you. Put it there, pal. It's like passive aggressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So okay, okay that,
0: that that sort of makes sense. Yeah, I'll buy you that. Know, we're, I'll we're he uses that. the term pal here. You know, and then uh, John basically says, thanks for the advice, and just opens up and starts shooting from under the table.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I mean, it, first of all, I, I'm I'm very concerned about the fact that it, it can actually, the bullets go through the table. Yeah. So easily. Yeah. You know, you think that this is a boardroom where they're going to have... Um, a sturdy wood. Very sturdy wood. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they, they, they didn't skimp on any of their,
1: their costs here. Mm-mm. Especially if you look at the design, you know it's zigzag, and then of course he gets to the end, and there's that logo for the building, which I really, really like. The more I saw it, the more I dug it. Yeah, but it's gold, or like you know, it's got like a nice goldish-looking paint job to it. Yeah, you know, one would think, but uh, you know, in this case, guess not. Yeah, and and John
0: perfectly knows where Marco is because he's not just shooting through the table; he hits him, you know, in his in his
1: legs, like right there, which looks painful. Yes, I mean, it's it's. I'm trying to think
0: of where there's a kill shot here. I don't think there is. I I don't know. Well, if we it's... know that Marco dies. Well, for... from this, <laughs> he's dead here. It's not like he doesn't die later. You know, he doesn't die
1: tomorrow. He's mm-hmm. he's dead today. Well, it goes through legs, so maybe it's hitting arteries or major veins in legs. But at the same time, maybe it's hitting his torso also. But we just don't see it. We see
0: we see the the squibs on his leg. Mm-hmm. There's there's like four of them, six of them. I mean,
1: that, that's got to be painful because it's around his crotch area anyway. Mm-hmm. But, but maybe still. one caught him in the head, and we don't see it because his head flies back immediately. You know, it could be like it's just back. Ah, because oh. he's bending over. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. The momentum be... from that, and then as he lays, his legs are kind of on full display, and then he gets him up, tags him up. Okay, that there, okay. There, there, there's there's something for that, something to. That. We're solving it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what we're here for
0: <laughs> to try and solve it. <laughs> And then the, the, the shot, you know, the, with with all this tension and everything like that, the shot just changes real quickly. And we're back to Al and Eddie back in the, you know, back in the lobby. And, and Al starts walking towards the door. And Eddie sees that he's walking towards the door. So he gets up to go let him out. And Al goes, sorry to waste your time. And he goes, no problem at all. Yeah. You know, again, very friendly.
1: Yeah. Very palling around. Yeah. <laughs> and... And the thing, too, is they go back and forth between two types of tension. One tension is, uh, literally, McLean is fighting for his life. And the other tension is, is he going to get found out? What's going to happen? Is Al going to die? Is he going to get shot? Like, when will he figure out what's going on? It's... It's like a ticking time bomb versus, you know, fighting for your life. It's a real roller coaster how they just amp that tension and keep it up and down and up and down. You're just so engaged. Yeah. And then when you finally let it go, you're like, when are you going to figure out what's going on? And then that's a whole other type of tension that you're getting. Exactly.
0: And, I mean, the editing
1: here is amazing. Yeah. Really well done. The the way that they chose to, to, to do this. Because it's not like some movies do that where they step away to something else, but it's too long. And you're like, I don't care what's happening. Get me back to where I want to be. Right, but and then you, you end up care. missing. But then you end up missing some plot points. Right. No, but here you do care about right. both of them. You're,
0: on the one hand, you want them to stay with this, but you also want to see what's going to happen to Al. Because mm-hmm. you know that there's a guy standing there with a gun. Yeah. You know, there, there's, you know when, you, when you're watching this the first time, like, what's going on? What's, you know, who's who's who do we want to live here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and stuff like that. And at this point, you know, uh, they, the two of them say Merry Christmas to each other. <laughs> and then Alice starts leaving. And he, you know, continue, he starts singing as he's walking to the car. Yeah. Skipping right. verses, which I find hilarious. Yeah. That's true also. But what's great is is that now we all know, uh, anyone who listens to music knows that there are times that That music is just going to get stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the music that was playing when he was in the AM, PM. Yeah. You know, so he's, let's say this is a half hour later or whatever. I don't don't know exactly how much time has passed. Mm -hmm. Right. But he's got that song stuck in his mind. Yeah. Do you know what the technical term is for getting a song stuck in
1: your mind? No, but I need to know because it happens to me at least once a week. Okay. So wait, you know what? Why don't we wait till tomorrow? No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, Nick. I won't do that to you. I need I need a place to stay tonight with a That's with a mint on my pillow. Yeah, so and it'd
1: be nice to have a hot meal instead of a cold one. <laughs> you can give me slop and uh, here's some you know. seconds, <laughs> and I'll be uh, chained
0: to the to the to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> the term is called an earworm. Okay, okay. There are other. Uh, it's sometimes referred to as brainworm. Sticky music or stuck song
1: syndrome. Sticky music. That's, that's what it says here. Stuck song syndrome mm-hmm. kind of sounds lazy. I'm not gonna lie. You think it would have some kind of like something something Asia or something something syndrome, but it's. And like then a there's fantasy. a more scientific
0: term, oh, here which is known as involuntary musical imagery. Okay, which is I, known as I M I N M I. I can get okay. behind that one more right it's a catchy or memorable piece of music or saying that continuously occupies a person's mind even after it has no longer uh, even after it is no longer being played or spoken about okay right it's uh, involuntary musical imagery is, as a label is not solely restricted to earworms sometimes you have musical hallucinations also fall into this category although they're not the same thing okay earworms are considered to be a common type of involuntary cognition Some of the phrases used often to describe earworms include musical imagery repetition and involuntary musical imagery. Okay. All right. Okay. So, I I mean, it's happened to me so many times. You know, where you get a song stuck in your head and you just don't know how to get rid of it. I mean, this doesn't tell you how to get rid of it, but it tells you at least that there's a term. Yeah. You know, that that, that we're normal that this type of thing happens. You know. And so, I mean, I, I found a whole bunch of different, like, interesting cases where they they started talking about it, different researchers and stuff like that. So there's a researcher from the University of London, whose name is uh, Vicki Williamson, (laughs) who she found that in an uncontrolled study, through an uncontrolled study, that earworms correlated with music exposure, but could also be triggered by experiences that trigger the memory of a song, such as seeing a word that reminds one of a song, hearing a few notes from the song, or feeling an emotion one associates with the song. The list of songs collected in the study showed no particular pattern other than popularity. So, in other words, any song can get stuck in your mind. Yeah. In your head. It yeah. doesn't really make a difference. You know, we're not talking about something uh, specific. Right. So, then uh, another researcher named James uh, Calaris did did some uh, study that 98% of individuals experience earworms. Both women and men experience the phenomenon equally often. But they tend tend to last longer for women, and they irritate women more than men. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty irritating. (laughs) Yeah, regardless.
1: I I find that until I listen to the song that's stuck in my head, it's going to be there. But as soon as I listen to that song, I'm thinking of it's gone, and Uh it goes away, which I really like. Okay. So the statistics (laughs) that he was able to produce suggest that the song
0: that has lyrics accounts for 73.7% of earworms, Mm -hmm. where
1: instrumental
0: music only uh, can cause 7.7%. I'm
1: not going to lie. I'm surprised the lyrics one is not higher and the instrumental one is lower. Yeah, well, my problem is, is it only reaches 80%. Uh, it's it's 80-something percent here. You know,
0: it doesn't even reach 100%, so I don't yeah, know what happens the with ones. the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it. It didn't mention it here. You know, there are people who can't get rid of them at all. You know. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> you imagine. It's
1: just stuck. That's, like, that's a Twilight Zone episode right there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Now... Uh, there's another study that was done by the British Journal of Psychology, which, which talks about the fact that uh, most of the time, earworms are usually 15 to 30 seconds in length, and are more common in tho- those people who have an interest in music.
1: Huh. Okay.
0: Right. And they say that earworms can occur with either positive or negative music. Mm. Positive music would be something that sounds happy or is calm. Negative music would be something of the opposite, mm-hmm. where the music sounds uh, angry or sad, right? They're... And so what they're basically saying is a lot of it has to do with the positive-negative feeling of the music uh, caused by the piece, and that's why a lot of times instrumental music doesn't affect people that way.
1: Okay. Because it's,
0: I guess maybe you're thinking of the lyrics. Maybe. Maybe. You're so, focused on the words. Right. So they, they tried to actually think of uh, different mm-hmm. antidotes of how to stop it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, another uh, research group from Western Washington University, they found that if you engage working memory by doing moderately difficult tasks, like anagrams or Sudoku's, or if you start reading a book or something like that, that was an effective way of stopping the earworms and reducing their recurrence. Hmm. Okay. Another publication points out that melodic music... Has a tendency to demonstrate repeating rhythm, which may lead to endless repetition unless a climax can be achieved to break the cycle. So, if you're listening to music that's, I guess, somewhat monotonous or something yeah. like that, cyclical. It, could, cyclical, it could cause it. So, another study said that uh, if you chew gum, that would actually help also uh, signal blocking the subvocal uh, rehearsal component of auditory short term memory. Really? I'm telling you what it says here. I don't know. I didn't do the research. I'm, uh, you know, I just found it interesting to talk about this. Chewing gum. Yeah. And they say sometimes the, you you should ask yourself why you're experiencing this during a particular song. And someone else said that the the different remedy is to try and find a cure song to stop the repeating music. Meaning you should have like a, a set song that will always stop it. I don't know what that set song could be. Okay. Sometimes if you use Cure songs, it could be like God
1: Save the Queen or Happy Birthday. Those are Cure songs. I feel like Happy Birthday would be worse because that's something that can kind of get stuck. Cause it's the same pattern kind of over and yeah. over. Yeah. Well, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a Cure song that you get that song stuck
0: in your head instead of <laughs> yeah. instead of let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. I don't know. It's a double-edged sword. <laughs> yes. Now there, there is a a woman named uh, Jean Harris who murdered a man named Herman Tarlnoer, and she was obsessed with the song "Put the Blame on Mame," which she heard in the movie Gilda. Hmm. And she, for thirty-three years, she had that song stuck in
1: her mind. That's a while. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's too long. The thirty, you said thirty-three. Yeah. How do you go through life? And nothing else takes its place. Do you not listen to other music? Are you not watching movies? Are you not... I don't know. I'm mean, again. This is uh, Gilda came out in like what forty seven, so
0: something like know, that. So I guess she wasn't going to movies in the forties to the seventies. <laughs> I don't know. She got busy. There's <laughs> also a uh, Mark Twain uh, story called "A Literary Nightmare," which is all about earworm. It's about someone who can only get rid of the song by finding a way to transfer it to another person.
1: Otherwise, it'll get stuck in their head. I didn't know that Mark Twain wrote like hard, yeah, hard type books. I thought it would have been like Folksy Americana, like borderline Aesop fable stuff. Yeah. And then uh, there's another story that was
0: written by uh, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, "The Ultimate Melody," which also deals with uh, with, with earworms. Mm-hmm. And the book "Touching the Void" by Joe Simpson is uh, all about uh, not being able to get the tune Brown Girl in the Ring out of out of the character's head.
1: What? I've never heard of that song before. No, it's a...
0: Oh, the song. All right. I don't know. And then, uh, you know who E.B. White is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote... Uh, Charlotte's Web. Stuart, Stuart Little. Stuart Little and... Oh, wait. Right. Stuart Little and Charlotte's Web, I think. Did he? Did he? Oh, like maybe it's just Charlotte's Web. Right. I don't remember. So he had a short story called The Supremacy of Uruguay. Which uh, also deals with uh, songs getting stuck in people's heads.
1: Huh. Okay. He did both. He did both. He'll he did be, both Charlotte's Web and Sewer, though. Right.
0: So, all right. We, we were both right on that one. Huh.
1: huh. I, I had no idea so many people wrote about so many... Well, because people... Because if it happens to, to
0: 98% of the people, so... Yeah, you know, eventually everyone, someone's going to... Yeah. And, you know, even Mark Twain had this problem right, and, <laughs> and decided to write a book about it. Or a story about it at least Mm. So yeah I I found that very interesting So yeah So apparently uh, Al has this stuck in his head Mm. He's got the earworm
1: of Let it snow, let it snow Which he's skipping verses on So it must not be so strong in his head Maybe he just doesn't (laughs) know No, he's got the tune in his head But he doesn't necessarily know the words Okay,
0: alright Doesn't he also mostly say dumb diddy dumb? Yeah, for a
1: good part So
0: there you go. He's not skipping words; he doesn't know them. Yeah, he's making them up. <laughs> he's <making laughs> this up. is my version of the song.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and so he starts walking towards his car, and then we see John looking from above, and John, you know, wants to see what's going on. Now, part of the whole problem that I have here is is that John has now just been in a firefight for the last mm-hmm. few. Uh, let's. Oh, well, actually, we know it's a couple, couple of minutes. Minute for the last minute. Yeah, at least. No, last minute and a half. Okay, fine. And now he's concerned what's going on. You know, like, he doesn't really... I'm sure in his mind he doesn't know how much time has passed. You know, and for him to quickly go over and see the the car still there and say, oh, for the love of...
1: You know, know, where's the cavalry?
0: Yeah. Correct. And then he looks around frantically around the boardroom. Uh, He looks back and forth between the boardroom, the table you know and you can see that, that there's an idea forming in his mind yeah you know thankfully they don't tell us right away what right. his ideas you know he's trying to he's looking around for something
1: that he can throw through the window which i always thought it would would have been the chair because that's what he's using at first
0: yeah but the chair you saw he was just able to he was able to shatter parts of the window but he wasn't able to to break through the window because of, You know, I guess he doesn't have enough force.
1: I thought he would have just kept hitting it until it did, and then just throw the. No, but now maybe he's. uh,
0: Wait, he doesn't see uh, Al get into the car, does he?
1: Ooh, I don't think
0: he does. I think he just runs out. I think he sees. You know
1: the car is down there,
0: right? He doesn't see Al show up.
1: Unless, as we see Al walk to it, singing and humming that song, he sees him and then goes and does does what he Ah, does. Ah, he does see him. He does For see a little scenario. bit, okay. He does see him. And that's when he's looking back
0: and forth. Okay, he now knows the cop is about to leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that, uh, so then Al takes a, his radio and goes, 8-link-and-30 to dispatch? And then we get a response. Uh, 8L-30, go ahead. Yeah, that's a wild goose chase over here at Nakatomi Plaza. You know, he's he's he knows that nothing's going on here. You know, and he continues to sing and then uh, starts to, to get into his car. And that's pretty much how this minute ends.
1: Yeah, it's a real uh, real hype minute.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Here's something I want to run by you, though, because I found this and I kept rewinding it on this rewatch. When he gets up from the table, there's two statues. The statue on the far left, doesn't that look like Anubis? With the pointed ears and the arms crossed in front of it? It does. And a little bit of black and gold. And yeah. Anubis is the Egyptian god of death, right? When we look on the other side from when he's coming up under the table, it looks similar to like like a Buddhist type statue. Okay, and I think that that's such a weird dichotomy between the two, peace and nirvana, and then death. Especially when it's a Nakatomi Plaza, and we mostly see Japanese or you know Asian cultural features, and not necessarily Egyptian. Okay, or other stuff. And I just why unless it's like supposed to be something else, and you know, just from afar, it's what it looks like. But I mean, that's what I'm seeing. Which I, I think is what do you
0: think? What do you think they're trying to say with this?
1: I have I don't know if maybe it's just like a um, you know we're looking at it the wrong way or you know for the longest time uh, he was trying to choose peace because he didn't want to hurt anybody he wasn't trying he just wanted to stop the guys you know he is a cop but then he chose death instead or in the situation in general chose death I don't know I, I just it just caught my eye to such a point where I had to stop and like say you know why is this here. Because there's no, you know what I mean?
0: No, you think the production design is doing that on purpose? I don't think so. But
1: I mean, you do have the way it's filmed—the split from the windows—and is separating the two. Right. Right. I mean, a few weeks ago there was there was a shot where you see
0: what looks like a cross, Mm -hmm. Mm. you know, in in Holly's office Mm -hmm. when John gets in there, and and a lot of guys are wearing crosses and stuff like that—the savior and
1: stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Could be. But why not?
0: yeah this <laughs> is What's, what we're here let's for go with that this is what we're here for we're here <laughs> we're here to read into this as much as possible you know i love the 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 size of of what he has broken out of the window it looks like an eye yeah oh yeah, Ooh, yeah you know this the eye of soren looking over looking down you know i like, I I like, like that a lot I, that's i like that it's it's the shape of like a, a vertical eye yeah, especially you know, when you Virgo go the Sauron route. and it's looking to... down at it too. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. That's really neat. All right, you have anything else you want to say about this before we get into the script? I don't think so. I think it's just that part. Yeah, I just definitely wanted to talk up the uh, the Anubis thing, and I did that. So, mission accomplished on my end. All right, great. Okay, so the the script once again uh, a few minor discrepancies.
0: So first of all, the dialogue is a little different. Marco only says, "Next time, don't hesitate." He doesn't say uh, anything about no more table. Where are you going, pal? You know, and then when he says uh, next time you have to kill somebody, don't hesitate. As mm. opposed to in the script, it just says next time, don't hesitate.
1: Hmm. Okay. And, so I like the I like the addition. Yeah, of for the sure. Part, of kill it's, somebody part. It,
0: it, you know, it makes him a pal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> A pal. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, all it says in in the, the script about how he shoots uh, Marco is: it says McLean aims directly above him and fires twice into the underside of the table. The bullets rip through the table and Marco, who drops besides McLean, yeah. you know So they, you know they they went with it, yeah. <laughs> you know they, they decided to, to be a little more uh, aggressive, yeah. aggressive for and, sure. And, no, and 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 gory, but yeah. I I think it works better that way because you know if you would have just shot twice and. And, you know, and hit him, so you'd be like, "Oh, come on, that's, too, that's yeah. just a lucky shot." Yeah. Here he empties the entire clip into it. I don't remember how many shots he takes, but you know, we know at least four, four or five. And maybe somewhere the fifth one hits him in the head, like you said, could be, and it, that's when his body goes back. Yeah. And. That, that that's very possible. And then the only other difference is uh, the. Um, when Powell is talking on the the radio, mm-hmm. so it's much longer what he says, he says, uh, uh, in, in the script, he's known as Adam 10. So it says, uh, one Adam 10 to, uh, to 6421, we had a wild goose chase on that 436. Everyone's okay here, over. Waiting, loosening his tie, he murmurs, oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the the um dum dum de dum delightful Okay, okay. <laughs> and then the dispatcher responds and says, Roger, 1NM10. We thought it was a crank call anyway. Clear to code 8. Roger. So, uh, I mean, it's not necessary. It's not needed. Right. But again, it shows something's going on here with, with the with the dispatch. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that, the, I mean, we, we discussed this in, in depth both last week and the week before. Right. That... Nowadays, if someone were to call up and say there's a terrorist incident somewhere or there's a shooting incident somewhere, mm-hmm. um, the dispatch is going to take it a lot more seriously than for they sure. do in this movie. Yeah, they don't take it seriously at all. No, no, and you
1: it's know, it's eighty eight, so it's thirteen years before 9/11, you know,
0: 9-11, But still, you know, you'd think that they would have taken it a little bit more seriously,
1: especially because it's something assumedly because you know I wasn't really around in eighty eight, but something so bizarre for the time,
0: right? Correct. Especially Christmas Eve. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe they're just, uh, eh, it's Christmas Eve, everyone's drunk. Somebody's been drinking, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're already drunk and, uh, you know, nothing's uh, going to happen here. I don't know. What could I tell So, <laughs> every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, Holiday Edition, where my guests will give a little story about an adventure or misadventure that happened to them uh, sometime over their lives. Uh, it could be holiday-related or vacation-related.
1: Whatever. So you got a story for us, Nick? Absolutely. And it's so funny that we're talking about earworms and songs that have you recall memories. There's a song by the Dorsets. It's called Pork Chops. Now, the Dorsets were a little soul group out of Pittsburgh. Nobody really knew anything about them. They were signed to Sue Records for a while. Nothing really came of it. They have a song called Pork Chops, and it's literally a guy singing about how much he likes pork chops, how he likes them cooked, the sides he likes with it. And he's like, don't give me all this other food. I just want pork chops. I'm living in New Orleans at the time, and we're going over to a friend's house for Thanksgiving, and the song comes on the radio, and we had all never heard it before, so we're giggling and laughing, and it's really funny, and as we're driving, we hear gunshots go off, so we slam on the brakes of the car, we look forward, and we see somebody peeling off, driving away, and then someone else running with a brick in her hand, throwing it, and it goes through the back of the window of the SUV. They throw on their brakes, and we immediately make a very hard right, and we go in the complete opposite direction. Obviously. (laughs) But for the rest of my life, any time I hear that song, I immediately think back to the moment. I try not to remember... The second half of that moment, but I definitely remember just being in the car with the guys and just like hearing it for the first time and laughing and giggling because you don't really hear songs like that anymore. You know, right. nobody's singing about how they like a particular food. Everybody's singing, everybody's singing about you know a girl or they're going out with friends or they're singing about a party or just you know these general feelings now. But no one's like, hey, I love pizza and here's why. <laughs> so, oh, oh, in the past, were there other songs like like, like that that you know of? Another one is and no, because like
0: you, because you said nowadays you don't hear about songs about food, but oh, maybe you know,
1: no. Now, even now, thinking about it, no. I mean, there's really the closest thing. Isn't there something about ice cream? At Weird Al, did I
0: love Rocky Road? Okay, there you go. Okay, that's yeah. true. That's Weird Al.
1: <laughs> that's true. Weird
0: Al could do any of those. Maybe you sure that pork chop song. Wasn't it
1: wasn't, <laughs> wasn't Weird Al? Wouldn't that be something if it actually was? And this whole time I thought it was a soul group. <laughs> But yeah Anytime I hear that song I'm gonna I, I immediately think about it Oh wow Immediately Okay Cool Thank you very much for that story. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, you want to uh, tell people once again how they can get in touch with you?
1: For sure. Uh, I'm over on Twitter at the TheRehack, T-H-E-R-E-H-A-K. Uh, I don't share a whole lot, pictures of my cats, pictures of movies and other stuff I'm doing at the time. Uh, and then when I'm not doing movies, you can find me on Rehack Radio at Mixcloud.com where we're playing tunes. We're playing tunes, telling the stories behind the tunes, fun facts about the tunes. Just anything music related, I'm bringing it out and I'm sharing it with you. So that's Rehack Radio on Mixcloud.com.
0: All right, and while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to this show. And finding me is very simple just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, or you can go directly to my website, Movie Minute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee kaye! Yippee kaye!